Hello, and welcome to Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. My name is Mackenzie Horner, and I'm one of the hosts for this podcast. And joining me is my friend, mentor, and extremely talented director, and the Canadian B. Arthur, Autumn Smith. Oh, wow. How do, how do I, how do I <laughs> live up to that, B. Arthur? I love it. <laughs> so to give our listeners some background on us, I'll start by letting them know that we actually met back in spring of 2015. When we were both here at York University, I was in my third year studying device theater and directing. You were finishing your master's. We both were just trying to survive and avoid strikes, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And then we get partnered on this little show called A Tales of Ovid, adapted by Ted Hughes. You were the director. I was your assistant director. Right. You were great. Oh, thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Oh, so now that that's our history. So Autumn, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Oh, Oh, this is the part I love. Um, <laughs> I am a theater director, an innovator, an administrator, an artist educator. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked across the globe. I ran a Dora Award-winning theater company uh, called Mackenzie Rowe. Ooh, it was an Irish that. repertory theater company. Of course, of course, the of Celtic course, Irish. Of yeah. course, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been an avid avid musical theater lover for years Mm -hmm. i started Mm -hmm. in musical theater okay okay as a kid love it what was your first show uh music man 76 trombones led the big parade with 110 cornets close at hand they were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos the cream of every famous band 76 trombones caught the morning sun With 110 cornets right behind There were more than a thousand reeds Springing up like weeds There were horns of every shape and kind Classic. I know. I was a dancer in the chorus. Okay. Yeah, I was the child Love it. Are you the kid that plays the piano with with Mary and Camarillo? Amaryllis? No, Amaryllis? I was not. I tried out for Amaryllis, uh, but there was someone else. They beat me to it. Damn them. And then from, from that point on, I, I got cast as inanimate objects, animals, <laughs> and men. So oh, very good. I know, I know. A true B. Now, Arthur. You don't even need to see me and you get, you get the visual. Um, and yeah, and now I work for the Canadian Children's Opera Company. Love it. I'm a professor at York, a professor at Centennial College. Mm-hmm. So things are great. And I just finished um, a tenureship at Canadian Stage as Fantastic. their director of education. Love it. Uh, where I curated and conceived a new show called Territorial Tales. I've heard about it. Tell us a little bit more, though. Um, so basically, we got source material from uh, youth across Ontario. Okay. And we chose six, right. six pieces that we created into a theatrical piece that we toured across oh, the Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Love it was it. great. About our relationship to land, our relationship to family. Mm. Yeah, it was great. Fascinating. It was really, really great. I love it. I love it. Thanks. And what about you? Oh, Matt? yeah. I mean, come on. Okay, well, I mean, where do we start? I guess we can start when I was three. Wow. <laughs> That's when not I, so long ago. I know, right? Eons ago. Not really, but <laughs> I feel, it feels like eons. But yeah, three years old is when I first got into theater because my grandparents gave my parents a copy of Les Miserables, 10th anniversary on VHS. Oh man, you just aged me. I know, right? But yeah, that's how I started. I saw that VHS tape of Colm Wilkinson 
belting his little heart out yeah. at the mic stand. And I thought, that's what I want to do. That guy, I want to be that guy. Actually, I want to be the innkeeper. Master of the house, dowling out the charm, ready with an handshake and an open palm. Gentle souls to dial, mics a little stir, customers appreciate the bond fever. Glad to do me friends a favor, doesn't cost me to be nice. But nothing gets you nothing, everything has got a little price. That's oh, the role nice. I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to be Monsieur Tenardier. My parents gave back the VHS when I, when I started singing the lovely lady song in every grocery store. I smell women, smell them in the air. Think I'll drop my anchor in that harbor over there. Lovely lady, smell them through the smoke. Seven days at sea can make you hungry for a poke. Even stokers need a little stoke. first song I ever learned in like musical theater was a prostitute song. And we'll get to Les Mis in our probably third or fourth season. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We're saving that one for a special it's occasion. Our grand finale. Exactly. It'll be, it'll be the hundredth episode that we'll do. Yeah, exactly. Les Mis, because I want to say that one. That, that's my personal favorite musical of all time. Oh, wow. Like that one is the number one show. So, wow. so when we do it, it will be a special occasion. That's great. I know, right? I'm excited for that. It, ha- it has a, uh, a solid place in my heart, too. Right. So watch Les Mis. And then at age 10, my dad found an open casting call for a local production here in Barry of Oliver. Oliver, Oliver, never before has a boy wanted more. Oliver, Oliver. Well, toss for more when he knows what it's called. Done by Talk is Free. So nice. Oliver was my first show I ever did. Uh, one of my favorites. I have definitely one I want to talk about because that is one of my favorites as yes. well. So yeah, Oliver was the first. I was the late orphan. I only appeared in one scene. Late <laughs> orphan. Yeah, I, 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 I only appeared in the opening scene with Food, Glorious Food, and, and, um, and Oliver. And then after that, they kick us off stage, and I was done for the rest of three hours. Oh, that's So great. it got to the point where, where, all, where all the orphans didn't want to keep us around, so they actually had us do our ballad intermission for the oh, audience man. so we could all go home. Way to go. That's, yes. That's smart. <laughs> right? When you're dealing with children, <laughs> yep. get them out of there as quickly it's as possible. True. Is that it? Exactly. Wow. But yeah, late orphan. It was my job to run in late to food, glorious food, do a big whew, wipe, wipe the soot off my brow. <laughs> that was my big opening moment into theater oh. was that. And then from there, I did perform professionally in burial as well as doing community theater. So I did shows like Bye Bye Birdie, Grease, The Music Man, Susical, wow. all those types of fun shows that, that every that every local company does so we did that and then i graduated went off to york and then i ended up behind the table because i was studying at york and doing devised theater and i was like you know what i'd rather be behind the table and sure enough i just found my way back there one time where i was late to a rehearsal so i couldn't perform so i was like i was gonna sit and be the outside eye and i was like i like this a lot more it's just more fun being the creative guy behind the table, being, being able to tell people what you want to see versus being a show being like i don't like this vision so I call it the fool's perspective. Right? Right? So, yeah. So did that. Graduated from York with honors. And now I work at Medieval Times in Toronto. Woohoo! Yeah, exactly. Where now I get to sell theater to lovely school children. 
All right. Well, I guess that actually is enough talk about us. Our first episode, we're going to do something different than what we normally do. Yes. We're going to talk about the types of songs that are in a show. Because when we get into talking about our favorite songs and least favorite songs of a show, you're going to want to kind of know a little bit about what the heck we're talking about. Yeah. So together we have compiled a list of 14 types of songs that you may come across uh, in, a, in a show. Probably most likely, most definitely. Um, but there are probably a few types of songs that we missed. Probably. And if we do, we'll bring them up whenever we bring up a song that fits that mold. But for the and most part, these are pretty. Sometimes free. songs will fit many molds. It's true. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure we'll definitely come across a few of those where it's like, ah, that song fits this mold, that mold, and also is a I Want song all in one. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. We'll most certainly be talking about those as well. But for now, we'll go through our 14 types of songs in a musical. Okay. So do you want to start? I'll start us off because I have the first one of the list, which is Overture. You have the first two, actually. I, actually, I do. The you first do. two. So we'll most certainly get into that. So the first song that you or piece of music you always hear in a show is the overture. Ta-da. Exactly. It opens the show and introduces audiences to the musical motifs and melodies, which is important because as an audience, you don't want them to be jarred every time they hear a new musical motif or melody. Yeah, you want to familiarize them. Exactly. Right? You want to make sure they know what they're going to be going in and listening to. Now, sometimes a overture can be really long and go through every single motif, like a gypsy... say a show like Wicked or Lame Is where it's just opening big bass downbeat notes. That then go right into the opening number. Yeah, contemporary contemporary musical theater tends to be shorter. Yes, on the overture. Exactly. They don't seem to want to really focus on that because they don't. I think I think their shows just yeah. have other things they want to do, and doing an overture kind of sometimes feels a little bit dated. Well, and it's. It, I think it's just it, when it overtures first started, there was a blend of symphonic. Yeah. Uh, like we were coming out of like um, operetta and True. opera and symphony yes. into a brand new genre. So yes. I think they felt it was necessary to yes. put it there. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Just make, once again, it's making sure the audience kind of knows where, where you're going and just yeah. making trying to go, oh, this is what we're doing. Yeah, it's we're just, training them, right? Exactly, because in every opera or ballet, there always is an overture, so. Yeah. And we don't need to train them anymore. No, exactly. Audiences just know going, it's like, hey, I'm going to go see Wicked. I know what's going to happen here. It's it's, it's, it's it's Witches of Oz. Or maybe it's like, I, I got to know how you'd even do an overture to yeah. that show because of the <laughs> motifs and things like either. that. Exactly. I do not either. What's your favorite overture? I think it would have to be Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. I love the Orchard from Oklahoma with that mm-hmm. with that first opening trill, and then it goes right into the big bum 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 bum. <laughs> Out of my dreams. It segues into that, and then it gets back into uh, uh, Oklahoma, the title song. So it just plays the whole gamut. Mine is Annie. (gasps) That's such a good one. It's the trumpet. It's true. It's I love great. it. It's so simple and clear, and there's a pining. Yes, to it. and that's it's and that's all he needs. It's a lot of pining. It's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of pining. Yeah, but then it goes into a lot of like happy. It's true. It it plays the opposites. Which exactly. Is okay, I definitely. Like, I actually, I, I don't think I've heard the overture for Annie oh. so that's something I'll have to go back to. And when we talk about, mm, so I'll talk about Annie later this season. We most oh, certainly will be listening to that overture at some point mm. because. It's fantastic. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so that's the overture. It kind of sets you up and gets the audience in the mood. Full instrumental. Exactly. It's all instrumental. I mean, sometimes there's a few cases where um, music does, or vocals do come in. Like, for example, I'm thinking the opening to Mary Poppins, the overture in the original Mary Poppins movie. You all of a sudden segue into Um the Little, Um the Lie. Yes. With with Supercalifragilistics motif in there. Yes. So there are a few moments where that happens, but for the most part, it is always Disney messing it all up. I know. Gosh darn it, Sherman Brothers. Oh, wow. But yeah, for the most part, instrumental sets up the motifs and melodies. Then we get into the opening number. Exactly. So there are two types of opening numbers I've found in a musical. So, and they're both designed to do the same thing, which is to set up the world, draw on the audience, and kind of get the characters brought out on stage sure so the first one you have is is is, 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 a, is a musical opening number sung by the whole company so that's something like bell from beauty and the beast where Love it. i know it's still, actually that's one of my favorite disney songs <laughs> of all time for sure is bell because in seven minutes yeah. you get to know who bell is mm-hmm. you know what she wants yeah it's also an i want song which we're going to get to in a minute exactly so it's it's an i want song it sets up the villain and his plot right away with like gaston was saying he's going to marry bell you also get the whole concept of who the community is that she's living in with, with their small simple-minded monotony monotony of everyday life <laughs> I, I i'm sorry i love I, every I, day i love the villagers and my the kids love it too they love the opening in fact when we're on spotify in the car yeah can you play bell can i love it bell? i love it i love those Very kids they're, 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 they're right they're right after my own heart there yeah um but yeah bell that's that's a good example of a big 
show opening. Everybody's in it together. It's it's cacophonous. You've got people like leaping in over each other. Excuse me. Please let me through. It's very big, and I mean, and that's what audiences a lot of times are used to for an opening number. For sure. Now, the other type is the opening song by a soloist. So that's something like, oh, what a beautiful morning. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Where, which is something that we'll definitely talk about when we get to the Oklahoma episode, because that's oh, one of my favorite songs of all time. I, I, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorites, too. <gasps> oh, okay, so there's oh. a little sneak preview there. That's the one that, like... Shared moment. Exactly. Because, like, that song, like, I, I love to be in the audience with, 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 with the first time seeing that show where, like, they're expecting the big showboaty opening because showboat came before Oklahoma, yeah. historically Absolutely. speaking. Yeah. And so... Here you are, you're thinking you're going to have a big company opening, just like in all the operas and operettas you've seen before and Showboat. And then out comes Curly singing his solo song with Ann Eller churning the butter. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those Turns things. It on its head. Exactly. And I think and I, I, I couldn't find too many other big solo opening numbers. I think that's one of the few. Annie. That's true with Maybe. Maybe far away or Which is also an I Want song. See, so I think a lot of times if it's going to be an opening number that's also a solo, I think the big thing is it's going to be I Want. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty good... Bob Fosse was wrong then. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment. We swill. We swill. So I think that's it for me because I have stuff that comes later in a show. So Autumn, why don't you get into what you oh, got on well, your list? We've got the I Want song. True. Which we've mentioned like a couple of times Exactly. Already. So the I Want song is basically uh, the protagonist's uh, intent. Yes. What they want to achieve throughout the course of the musical. Yep. Um, it's their dreams. So yep. So maybe, maybe it's a perfect example. From Annie, yeah. From Annie. Um, most people have said that Tomorrow Ooh. is the I Want song. And I'm like, uh-uh, Mm-mm. no way. Tomorrow's the big showstopper number. Well, yes. But it's also a soliloquy. Yes, it is. Right? Yep. But an I Want song has to have a motivation behind yep. it. And maybe is a perfect example mm-hmm. of that, even though it defeats the Bob Fosse rule. True. Which says, oh, it's the third song in every musical. Yep. Lies. Actually, another good... Uh, no, you know, I was going to say part of your rule from, from Little Mermaid. When's it my turn? Wouldn't I love, love to explore that shore above Sea. Oh, wish I could be 
part of yes. But Disney once again, that's always the, has I want songs, and that's because Howard Ashman came in to Disney and said cartoon should be like a Broadway show. Oh, that's like the and what's it's galore. Exactly, or think of a Bob's. You got twenty. Twenty. Exactly. Not nineteen. But the whole, but the whole thing of a, that song is a great example of a classic I want song, where yeah, it's like I want legs. Yeah, to walk. Exactly. To walk, to, to ramble. So you have part of your world. You have for the first time in forever. Yes, from Frozen. Yeah, that's a go good one. the distance. Ooh, from Hercules. Hercules, another great one. And even let it go. Yes, that's yeah. That's well, a great one let's too. think about it. Yeah, because let it go. Yeah, that actually technically is the third song mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the movie. It's after for the first time in forever. True, but you have two protagonists. It's true. So you right? get so you have to have two so I want songs. Two I want songs makes sense. Um. Now, in classic Broadway, like what? Uh, so we have maybe from Annie. What's another good example of an um, I want song? Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. So Into the Woods is more of an I wish song. It's true. But it's what they, it's kind of what they want. Yes. Or they think that's what they want. Exactly. Um, we'll talk about that musical in season two. Oh, so yes. It's already on my list of shows oh, we will talk yeah, about. Yeah. One Song Glory for Ooh, Rent. Yeah. Uh, that's a big I want song. That uh, musical will be appearing on this podcast for a while. No. It'll be like season 20. <laughs> Season 20. Uh, chorus Line. Oh, yeah. Um, God, I hope I get it. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Classic. Classic, right? I know, I know that's not the almost cut from the movie because I thought it was too boring. Too boring. Who who can sit and watch literally someone sing, right? It's true, right? Like, like who's going to sit were, there? People are trained to watch opera. Exactly. So, three hours of that. Three hours. Five hours sometimes. And sometimes right? in a foreign language that you didn't know. Yeah. Now, the, the I want song can fall yep. in many different places. It's true. It can, like, fall at the beginning. Yeah. So it sets it up. It can set itself in the middle. True. It usually happens before Act 2, though. Yes. Oh, it has to, because has Act to. 2 is, is all about resolution. So That's right. You guys, you guys set everything up to knock all the pins down later. That's right. And it's all, it's usually the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have... Very rarely have an anti-hero. The I want song. Right. Or you can have an I want song. Mm. Which can be anything. A want song can also be a love song. Can True. Be li- like it's that's where we get. Yeah, that's it where it gets spicy. Murky, yeah. Right. In true Broadway fashion, nothing is straightforward. Nothing is. It's like good classical theater. Nothing exactly. is really straightforward. No, there's no definitive answer to things. No. Unlike math. But that's great. <laughs> that's great. Exactly. It's great. It leaves us in the muck and mire of the human condition. It's true. Right. Nobody so, stops and and has their morning I want song for the day. I mean, I didn't. I wish I did, but unfortunately, I'm going to go Every morning, I get up <laughs> and I go, I want. Uh, yeah. So what comes next on your list? Um, what's next on my list are love ballads, but I don't think we're there yet. What's next on your list? I have the villain's song. Oh, let's go there. Okay. Sets up what the villain's going to do. Usually sets up their motivation, and usually there's a reprise of the villain's song in Act 2 to finish out their, finish out their role. So within the villain song, it usually sets up the villain's plot, or mm-hmm. sometimes they can express the, the world philosophy that they mm-hmm. see, or sometimes yeah. it's even just their simple I, their wants and desires. Yeah. Uh, it also can provide the audience with the villain's uh, counter perspective on on um, the musical's main plot. So yeah, um, it shows their gray area. Exactly. If done properly. True. Sometimes it can just come off as pure mustache twirling. Yeah. <laughs> Very classic Disney though. Disney has oh. a lot of great villain songs yeah, that are just mustache twirling fun. Like, well, or like tentacle. Yes. Poor unfortunate souls. Yes, exactly. Poor fortunate souls. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. 
But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways, repented, seen the light, and made a switch. True, yes. Uh, be prepared. Those are like the classic. That's actually a fun villain song. That's, it uh, is. That's so villain. It's song. true. Zut alors, I have missed one. Sacrable, what is this? How on earth could I miss such a sweet little succulent plant? Quel dommage, what a loss. Here we go in the sauce. Now some flour, I think. It's true because, because Chef Louis does want to get Sebastian the crab. Yeah. And now another th- song, another thing the villain song usually does is normally if there's a plot that they have to do, like where it's like, I got to kill this guy to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Usually... They're singing it within that song, and they're going to tell the audience, "This is what I'm going to do," setting up the setting up what they have to do to get to their goal. And usually, that's they're also one of their lackeys or or sidekicks is there, well, kind of like the hyenas in yeah, in, in Lion King or like LeFou and not beating the beast. But then sometimes it's just sung solo, solo on stage, so similar to like the Lonely Room in Oklahoma. I ain't gonna dream about her arms no more. I ain't gonna leave her alone. talked about this a little bit yeah. before when we were talking about Sweeney. It's true. Um, is is anyone truly good or evil? True. And that the interesting yes. um, trajectory is to put them solidly in the middle. Exactly. That struggle between the two. Exactly. And then sometimes a villain song is also a group number, like the Cell Block Tango from Chicago. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. It's all these yeah. merry murderesses telling their side of the story. That's like, true. Once they never even thought of that, right? Anybody, technically, all these women yeah. did murder guys. I mean, the one guy she shoots him with a shotgun because he's chewing gum on the couch. Pop, pop. Yeah. Um. Then the other one, and and then the other one is like she's cheating on on on, on like her husband with the mailman. So when he confronts her, she stabs him ten times with the butcher's knife. <laughs> <laughs> But once again, it's all from their perspective because the villains don't think, a good villain never thinks that they are the villain. The villain always thinks that they are right. They're in the, like they're not doing anything wrong. But that's like any villain. Look at it's Ted true. Bundy. They're it, bringing in real life serial killers. I love it. He, he, it's a hot topic right now. But it's interesting. Yeah. Like he's an interesting person to study. Exactly. Right? But that's what makes villain songs so great. It's true. Okay. So next on my list, I have this soliloquy and monologue song. <sighs> But what do you have next? I have love ballads. I think we go love ballads. There, going from like villains. you gotta go love. I mean, we have to go love. It's true. Okay, so uh, so here's so the rundown on on a, on a love ballad. I mean, it, it simply is a, a a ballad or a duet about yes. love. Yeah, it can be complicated love. Yeah, um, like um, um, Oklahoma. Yes, people will say we're in love. Yep. Do they think up stories that link my name with yours? Why do the neighbors chatter all day behind their doors? I know a way to prove what they say is quite untrue. Here is the gist, a practical list of don'ts for you. Uh-huh. 
Got the conflict. Like, uh, I don't know yeah. like, if people will look at us and yes. think that we're in love. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad yeah. thing? And then you have like, you have different love songs. You have Wheels of a Dream mm. from Ragtime. Yeah. And then we'll travel on from there. California, who knows which i think is a great love song yes um because it's about hope on the wheels of a dream that's it absolutely and i think it's it's so full i think a love ballad has Mm -hmm. to have the possibility yes of it's just it it has to have possibility yes Um, and and the better you set that possibility up and especially if it's a tragedy and doesn't end well the harder the fall is. Like, like look at tonight from West Side Story. Uh. That beautiful balcony uh, scene where like where you just see the young passion of these two people coming together. Yeah. And the tragedy what happens to him at the end. And there's a couple of love songs in um Ragtime. You have Wheels of a Dream and you have yes. Our Children, which happens yes, at the end. Exactly. Which is a late blooming kind of romance. Exactly. And then you have something like Together at Last, you right. Annie. True. Which is a different kind of love. Exactly. Paternal and fatherly love. You kind of have, like, if you look at something like Evan Hansen. True. And for forever. Yes. The idea of something big happening, even yes. though it's, a, it's an aria, basically. Yes. It's a solo number. Yes. Um, he he just wants something other than the life he's living. Exactly. Right? These, these dreams. So they have to possess hope. Yes. And then, you know, you have, you have the reprise. Yes. Um, or the reprise. Yes. Depending where you're from in the world. Yes. Um, I've always wanted as reprise. Right? Is the, is the resolve of love. Yes. Um, tomorrow, for mm-hmm. Manny, is kind of a love ballad. Yep. Right? But where in Act One, right. it's tomorrow, you're always a day away. Right. In Act Two, becomes only. Right. So that's a vast difference in True. one word, right? Yes. So... Um, it's a, it's a, a bit of a revolt, a resolve. Yes, of of the ballad. I agree with people that. finding each other or, or coming to some kind of resolution. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so I guess now we'll head into monologues and soliloquy songs because those can go in either Act One or Act Two. Absolutely, you can find them all over a musical. One hundred percent. So I, I love a good soliloquy. There's yes. so many good ones. Um, Heck. Who's you want called soliloquy from Carousel? I've gotta get ready before she comes. I've gotta make certain that she won't be dragged up in slums with a lot of bums like me. 
she's gotta be sheltered and fed and dressed in the best that money can buy. I never knew how to get money, but I'll try. My God, I'll try. I'll go out and make it, or steal it, or take it. Oh. I'm glad you, right? Absolutely, it's so it's Billy Bigelow. Billy Bigelow, that guy. That musical, Uh, bit of a problematic musical, but I'm sure we'll get into that once we talk about it. Everything's problematic. It's true. That's what makes it interesting. It's true. Come on. (laughs) But yeah, so you'll find them either Act One or Act Two. Mm -hmm. Um, It's usually sung by the main character, or could be sung by a major supporting character, Mm -hmm. like, uh, for example, like an Ado Annie in Oklahoma. I Can't Say No is a great example of a soliloquy monologue ballad song where she's expressing her internal issues of wanting to be in open relationships with guys all over. Yeah, there. Ja- I, actually, that's one of my list songs is Javert's Suicide at the mm-hmm. end of Lay in This. That is like the epitome of a soliloquy song. This man was sort of devil as he to have me put on a trap and choose to let me go free and was his hour at last to put a seal on my fate. Wipe of the past, I must be clean of the slate. All it would take was a flick of his knife. Vengeance was his, and he gave me back my life. And actually, it mirrors Bell John's soliloquy at the top of Act One. Sweet Jesus, what have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog in the run. Have I fallen so far and is the hour so late that nothing remains but the cry of my hate, the cries of the dark that nobody hears. Here where I stand at the turning of the years. So those songs always come up and it's very Shakespearean usually. It's always a character's inner thoughts and feelings about uh, particular situations. It's normally sung at a moment of high emotion. When characters can do nothing else but express their feelings and inner thoughts through song. It's that great thing of like in a musical, people always sing when they can't speak anymore or sing anymore. They go and dance. It's that continued heightened emotion. So that's what an internal Absolutely. monologue is. And, and it, you know, it's, it's, it, it is an expression of inner thoughts. Mm-hmm. But when I'm, when I'm working with people on school, yeah. I say they're puzzles. Yes. They're things that you're struggling between. Yes. It's that famous going back to, you know, to be or not to be. Exactly. Right? There's always this torn element. Yes. And when I work with high school students, I say, it's like that, that night before an exam where you're like, should I go get the pizza pocket or <laughs> should I just cram one more bit of information into yep. my head? Should I watch uh, Game of Thrones on repeat or should I just read my history book. Right. right? It's that it's the turmoil of the choice. Yes. There always has to be a choice involved. Yes. And in Billy Bigelow, yep. he's choosing between, well, do I, do I want to be a father to a, ga- a boy or a girl? Or a girl? And, and what are the differences between mm-hmm. those two things? And how will I provide. shift who I am? Yep. Um, how will I provide for them? Also, it doesn't make the best choice in that shift. Billy <laughs> Poor Billy Bigelow. Bigelow. Poor Billy Bigelow. Everyone will be up in arms when they hear that. That we said, <laughs> poor Billy Bigelow, but he is. He is a tragic figure. Yeah. Well, he is also, you know, a product of his environment. True. Right? Yeah. And I think we have to always look at each character yep. 
with the utmost empathy. True. To find out how they got to where they are. Exactly. In that moment. Even the worst characters have some small gray fleck of good in their heart. Absolutely. I mean, look at Darth Vader. Uh, Queen Amidala and like Luke always say about their dad. There's still good in him. Absolutely. It's the same thing with Archibald's um, brother in Secret Garden. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like just this idea of, of never feeling like you're enough. Yes. And what does that do to your soul? Yes. Ugh. Right? Ugh. So yeah, that's a great a uh, few examples of the soliloquy slash monologue song. Yes. All right. Next, I have the Potter song. What do you have next? Oh, I have the comedy solo duet. Let's do that let's first. Do, let's Let, do that, and, and then we'll head into and then we'll head into a Potter song because that can go anywhere. I mean, really, a comedy solo duet. Yeah. is Kind of like a soliloquy. Yes. But only told by the comedic characters. It's true. So, it, it's a little bit farcical. Yes. Sue me from Guys and Dolls. Is yes. Like the, or a person can develop a cold. Yes. From, from Guys and Dolls. Yes. Uh, Agony from Into the Woods. While they lie there for years and you cry on their fears, what unbearable bliss. Agony that can cut like a knife. Ah, well, back to my. Yeah. It's usually the the you know the uh supporting characters yes. that do it. Um but you you also have <laughs> musicals that are full comedies. True. Like Spam a lot. Yes. And you have You Won't Succeed on Broadway. So listen, Arthur, darling, closely to this news. We won't succeed on Broadway if we don't have any Jews. You may have the finest sets, fill the stage with penthouse pets. You may have the loveliest costumes and best shoes. You may dance and you may sing, but I'm sorry, Arthur King, you'll hear no cheers, just lots and lots of booze. Which is a big comedy number. Yes. Right? Or keep it gay from the producers. Yes. (laughs) Love it. Right? So it's really just to keep the comedic element in there. It's true. Every show needs it. Every sh- well, do they? I don't know. That's a debate. That's a big debate. I think so. I think I, I think every show needs the comedy. Because, but because, Miss doesn't have comedy. Master of the House. That yeah, is I, it comedic? I, I don't know. It, it's comedic in, in the tune, and, and it tricks yeah. the audience into thinking it's funny when really the, the innkeeper is robbing and cheating his customers. It's but I, but as the audience, we're all yeah. chuckling because he's tripping the blind guy, or he's or he's ripping the shoes off somebody who doesn't know it, or or he's taking the wallet out of the back pocket, and we're all chuckling because it's like that is that inner evilness that we all have. Yeah, to do that, it. Yeah, that it's like, haha. I wonder if I could do that. To so, be honest, mm. yeah. To be honest, I don't think I could because I, 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 I don't think I could either. But mind you, I'm not living in the world of the innkeeper. He's just trying to make money. That's right. On, on a side road in. Actually, another example is Lovely Ladies from from Lamez as well. That is another up tempo. So that can come across as comedic because you have all the funny things that, that the prostitutes are doing with their customers. That's true. But at the same time, you have the descent of Fontaine going on off, off, off on, <laughs> on the side stage. But once again, like, and actually the reason why they wrote Lovelace the way they did was because the writers, because they went, we've had a whole bunch of songs in Act One already that are just being soliloquies and dire and sad. We need something that's going to pick the audience 
yeah. up a bit and Absolutely. move through a lot of exposition, which is I think another great thing comedy songs do is they can they move do. through a lot of exposition that just has to get out. And that a great way true. to do that is just to give them to the comedic character who's just going to plow through it and like get you to the next point of the story. Or it could just be for sheer relief. It's true because audiences relief. need that relief. And we'll get into that with G Officer Krupke. And I was going to say G Officer Krupke is the perfect example. Of it that. is. And that, we're definitely going to talk about it, like, is it in the right spot in the show? Because that is a debate that I've had with people. Well, and even like even going back into the classic, Shakespeare yes. did it. Yeah, like, we'll look at the Porter. Yeah. Or if you look at Festa in 12 yes. 9, or The Porter and Macbeth. The Porter and Macbeth. I mean, like, we just killed Duncan, and all of a sudden out comes the drunk Porter. Yeah. Who's who's gonna give the audience a pee break to go out and like relax while he goes and pontificates about life from his point of view? Yeah, and you have Mercutio, yes, RJ. Exactly. There's a lot of great comedical moments and dark, tragic shows. It's the way the comedy is done in the show. If it feels too schmaltzy and like here comes the comedy number, it can defeat yeah. the song because the audience goes, "You're trying to be funny now. You're not actually being funny." Well, and there's there's also musicals, yes. and then there's musical comedy. True. So like that are um, all Spamalot. Spamalot, Guys and Dolls. Yes, is a musical comedy. Yes, it whereas is. Whereas Oklahoma is not. No, it has right? it has funny moments, but it it's does. definitely not a. I a, can't say no. It's hilarious. Yes, Kansas City, big rockets. Yep. hilarious. Right, they're a release. Like yep. agony, agony is the perfect, fantastic example, one. Right, uh, perfect. Yes, perfect example. Actually, the reprise is better than the original in Act oh, yeah. One. It's even funnier. They're just they're they're great. It's true. I love the princes in that show. I would love to play one of the princes. I yeah, I would love to see that. That makes sense. So, what's your next one? What I have the next? Patter song. Okay, which is a really technical song when it comes. I'll say it is. Yeah, because I mean, according to Wikipedia, this is what they've written about the Patter song. Because I wanted to get a definitive definition. So on Wikipedia, it is written as. Uh, a song that is characterized as an up-tempo rhythmic song that has each note representing a syllable of text. The lyrics are often tongue-twisting and alliterative words. The um, songs can, can often be used for comedic effect. So you have things like From HMS Pitafor, and then a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan that you uh, use a patter song. Well, Pirates of Penzance. Exactly. Modern Major General. Yeah. the very model of a modern major general. Family Guy does a great parody of that song. Oh, it, 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 they were geniuses at writing patter songs. Yes. Brilliant. Now, there are some modern ones, too. Mm-hmm. So we have things like All for the Best from Godspell. Some men are born to live at ease, doing what they please. Richer than the bees are in honey. Never growing old, never feeling cold, pulling pots of gold from thin air. The best in every town, best at shaking down, best at making mountains of money. They can't take it with them, but what do they care? Yes. You also yeah. have things like Not Getting Married Today from Company, which Big is like one. the epitome of modern pattern. Pardon me, is everybody there? Because if everybody's there, I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have lots of better things to do. And not a word of it to Paul. Remember, Paul, you know the man I'm going to marry, but I'm not because I wouldn't ruin anyone as wonderful as he is. But I thank you all for the gifts and the flowers. Thank you all. Now it's back to the showers. Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Absolutely. Like, it's always fun to see how fast the actor can go 
uh-huh. with that song because you see some actors who just can't do the speed that Sondheim wanted. Oh yeah, no, I know. And then there's, there's other. So there's also one in the Witches of Eastwick. I'm is there? Okay. And then I think another great patter song is "You Got Trouble." It's a bit of a slower patter. It's not as fast, but at the same time, it's that rapping. But well, you've also got "Cash for the Merchant." Yes, yes, Rock Island. Yes. Yep, that matches the train. What is that? Yeah. For the merchandise, cash for the button hooks, cash for the cotton goods, cash for the hard goods, cash for the fancy goods, cash for the soft goods, cash for the noggins and the piggins and the frickins, cash for the hogshead cask and demijohn, cash for the crackers and the pickles and the fly paper. Look, what do you talk? 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 Where do you get it? What do you talk? I love that opening. That's one of my favorite musical openings. I, it's great. It's and it's unexpected. Exactly, which is amazing. And once again, it's a really interesting way of setting up the world and the characters of the musical, where you don't even meet Marion Peru and the whole people of um, um, uh, what's the, what's the city they're in in Music Man, um, River City. River City. They're in River City, Iowa. So, so the fact you don't even get to meet them, but you already understand what the world you're in just from the uh, traveling salesman on the train. The one by uh, in Witches of the East. Yeah, what is, is it? Words, words, words. Words, 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 words. I'd like to talk about the world I never get to see from home. I'd like to talk about Caracas and the Pleiades of Rome. Like to talk about the rise. I'd like to talk about the fall. Like to talk about the doings at your basic bacchanal. Oh, not that I approve, but when it's all been said and done, I mean, you gotta give them this. The Romans sure can have some fun. Then, of course, you've got the French, the Pakistanis, and the Dutch. Tell me, Daryl, is it me or am I talking way too? That's a great example and of a Patterson. I, oh, yeah. It's like, blah, 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 blah. And it was uh, um, uh, Maria Friedman did it. Oh, okay. And it's a, it's a Patterson song between Suki and Daryl Van Horn. Love it. It's great. So but yeah, yeah, basically it's a technical song. Now, patter songs go into my next. Okay, uh, what's yours? With our listing song. Yes, a different version of that type of patter song. It's kind of yeah, the, and oh, the mere coin of it. It's like kind of like two two things of the same coin, just different sides. Exactly. Listing songs, listings. It's true. So you've got you know raindrops on roses, yeah, whiskers on kittens, yeah, and then you've got my favorite, which Are is you ready? okay. I'm, I'm going to read it off to you. Okay. Here. Um, it was red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fawn and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve and cream and crimson and silver and rose and azure and lemon and russet and gray and purple and white and pink and orange and red and yellow and green and brown scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and do you know what it is? I want to see Sunday in the Park with George. No! I look handsome. I look smart. Oh! Joseph's coat color. Yes! Yes! Oh, I love my coat and petticoat. It was red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fawn and lilac and gold and chocolate and That is the best example of a listing song. True. All the colors in the coat. Yep. 
you make a great narrator. Oh, thanks. For, for that I'd show. I'd love to play that. That'd be, that'd be great. If I could hit all those notes, it'd be, it'd be even better for the audience. I remember as a kid, I saw it with Susan Gilmore playing, oh, playing the narrator. Right. And she was fantastic. Uh, well, Maria Friedman played it. There in, you go. In London. Right. Amazing. Yes. Such I a good. It. I love it. Such a fun a kids musical. Lloyd Webber. Oh, trust me. Lloyd Webber comes up, I think, he actually comes up twice this season. Twice. He does. He comes up twice. We're doing two Lloyd Webbers this year. But Very not exciting. Joseph. That's the that's what we not Joseph. We have two other We're ones. We're doing the companion piece to Joseph. Exactly. There's your first hint of what is one of our. So that's listing songs. La Vie Bohème for my Rent. There you go. As well. Yeah. Rent. That show. Oh. Not. <laughs> I'm sensing some disdain, friends. Oh, there's some disdain. I love it. Okay. We're never gonna. I have a, love that we're, musical. We're never gonna have a debate about that. Okay, we can. That'll be one that we'll have to debate when it's going to end up on the podcast at some point. Oh, <laughs> you may have to force it on me. Yeah, you you may, you may have to force it on me eventually. We'll talk about Brent at some point because I think it's one of the shows we will have to talk about whether yes. I want to or not. And and, and and when we do, Jonathan Larson is a genius. Come uh, on, we'll we'll get there. We're not going to spoil that. Right. We're not going to spoil that debate. We're not going to get there yet. No. Okay. So what's the next one you have after listing? Um, I have Act One finale. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's end our act one here. Act one finale. I call it the purveyor of false hope. Ooh. Right? Uh, everything is going great, great, yes. great. And then we start act two. <laughs> we have defying gravity. Yes. We have one day more. from Into the Woods. Yes. It is gravitas galore. Yes. Um, too bad the musical doesn't end here. Nope. It's got to go into act two. But the audience says, no, I need more <laughs> despair and I need to watch the train wreck in its full, it's true. full form uh, for my own personal catharsis. Yes. Um, let's go into act two. Love it. Let's have a drink at the bar and go into <laughs> act two. Um, I love act one finales. It's true. I love them. It really it, it, it releases like, the tone oh. for the musical. And like it if does. if a show does not have a good act one finish, yeah. It's hard for the audience to come back and enjoy an act two because they just go, Yeah, yeah. What am I coming back for? It. Well, and you also have to leave with hope. Yes. So like act one finales are always hope filled. Yeah. So they're on the roof. I think that's one of the few no. downer endings of act one with the sacking of um Seidel's wedding. But yet somehow yes. you love Tevia so much in that fiddler that you're invested now. You want to see what happens to them in Act Two. Well, it's not only that. Yes, they sack it, and you there's still a possibility that things could get better. It's true. You're like, oh well, it can't get worse. It's true. Until, Come on, Tevia. Until Anna Tevia. It's and true. And then you're like, oh, Damn. why didn't I stay at the bar during intermission? <laughs> stealing my ideas. No, exactly. No. Act one ends with hope. Yes. And then it all goes to shit from there. Yeah. What do you have next? I have the entract. And then I think it's all you after that. All right. Because I only have two after that. So so what is what the do you have left? I have the 11 o'clock number and the finale. Oh, no, I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go first. So, so 
contract. What happens there? It's basically a shorter, I put in brackets, hopefully, <laughs> version of the overture. So yes. basically, it's just a reestablishing yep. of the musical theme. It's true. I don't think the Phantom of Interact is shorter than the Overture. No. It's just as long. Phantom. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get into Phantom. Yeah. So then, we, I guess we move into the 11 o'clock number. 11 o'clock number. And this is one that goes two different directions. And I found two different ways people look at the 11 o'clock number. So once again, Wikipedia, great friend of mine. They often have great definitions of what is what. Who's, so, it's everyone's friend. It's true. It's like essay writing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, never do use that on an essay. <laughs> it will not end well for you. The 11 o'clock number, so it takes place at the end of the musical. Usually it's the second to last song before the finale. It usually, yes. It's usually one of those ones. It's usually, it can, it's usually normally big and it can certainly be a qualified as a showstopper. Go big or go home. Exactly. It's one of those things where it's going to give you the obvious that last bit of huzzah to get them into that final act. Absolutely. A finale of the show. So if it is sung by the supporting characters as either a solo a duet or a group, it's meant to give the audience one last uh, moment of levity before an extremely emotional finale. And on the other hand, if the song is sung by, say, the protagonist or the lead of the show, mm-hmm. it's something where the character has to have the big major moment of revelation to then propel them into the final song of the show. So there's two different ways you can go about a, a, a big like a Belter's dream. Huh? It's true. It's true. So, so there some good examples are you have you gotta get a gimmick from Gypsy, which is great. Do you think that's the eleven o'clock number? I think Gypsy? so because no like, way. I would say so because you get that song and and then like I don't I, I don't qualify the strip as a song. I think that's just Rose's turn. No, I think that's the finale because no. after that, that's the it's show's both. done. It's both. I said both. See, once again, murky gray. It's eleven into midnight. It's there. Like, you go. It's the big. Uh, yes. See, for me, an eleven o'clock number is the big. Uh, the big uh, moment. I can't even actually put it into words. It's like that gut wrenching, like. Uh, yes. The thing that needs to happen. True. To close the curtain. Right. So another example would be no good deed from Wicked. I think that's a great 11 o'clock. Remember, because right after that, you have March of the Witch Hunter, which is like yeah. kind of a nothing number where it's like, yeah. yeah. got to give Elphaba time to so relax like, before she hit, before they had the big emotional for good at the end. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think for good's a big 11 o'clock number. Like the way Elphaba oh. belts in, in, in no good deed and she, and also, also it's her big moment of, of um, revelation. It she, is revelation, but that's why Rose's turn. True. Revelation. Good point. I, I can see that. Right. Another comedic example would be Beggars at the Feast from Les Mis. Bunch of bucket socks, watch them do their job. Keep your winter bag, you and you'll stand on top. Losses of the land, always get our share. Clear away the barricades and we're still there. We know where the wind is blowing. What is the stuff we smell? And when the richest grease is Jesus, what we see Where the innkeeper and, and his wife come back at one last time to have one final comedic zinger at the audience, or they 
openly mock the world around them by saying, you know what? Screw it. Like we got here by screwing everybody, like, everybody else over. And that's the only way to get through. It's the only way we're going to continue to get exactly. through Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of times it's, it's oh, a fantastic yeah. 11 o'clock short, but sweet yeah. moment because after that you get right into Valjean's death. And that's a super sad mm-hmm. moment full of ghosts and dead bodies. And yeah. Now, and I would just say Officer Krupke, it is an 11 o'clock number. Because I would say so, if it comes normally where it does in Act 2, not in the film version, but in the Act 2, it's come after the Somewhere Ballet. Right. And then you go into Officer Krupke, and then you have the final song, which is the A Boy Like That duet. That's the 11 o'clock number. Would you say? Yes. Because it's it's full. Officer Krupke's comedic. It's like True. comedic, like. Let's get you guys la- or, like, like lined up Boy for like the that end. Duet. True. And, and, and tonight, I have a love. Yeah. I have a love. Um, not tonight. I have a love. It's it's like it's. It's that final revelation. Eleven o'clock numbers need to excavate. True. They're an excavation of soul. True. Right. See, this is interesting that we find different ways of looking at the Wikipedia is wrong. All right, watch change that. (laughs) All right, other like big. I know, right? uh, Like, I guess moments in the woods from Into the Woods. That's the eleven o'clock, or no, or no. I guess last midnight. Yeah, last midnight. The last midnight with the witch. It's something that needs to bring the house down. It's true, and it has to be different ways of bringing that house down. Because, I mean, I would definitely say. uh, uh, brush up your Shakespeare from, yeah. from Kiss Me Kate. I would definitely say that's the 11 o'clock number. Brush up your Shakespeare. Start quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare. And no women, you will wow. Just declaim a few lines from Otella, and they'll think you're a hell of a fella. I would say... Because um, it's that last moment of levity before um, you end the finale with Kate's big soliloquy. Music in the mirror. Ooh, good one. That's a big one. Good one. That is a really big one. Um, name me a musical. We'll find another one. All right. Um, let's do... Let's find another one. I'm trying to think of ones that we're not going to talk about this season because I don't want to spoil. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess one for further for would be Anna Tevka. Well, that's a really sad down. one. Yeah, that's a downer. Yeah, that's a downer. What, what's another upbeat um, one that we can Up talk about? Upbeat. Eleven o'clock number. Eleven o'clock numbers. I'm a really loud typer. Everyone, I love it. I apologize. The five best eleven o'clock numbers. What are they? Let's see. Rose's turn. Classic. Yeah, we talked about that one. Bookend to some people. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Brush up your Shakespeare. Told you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of these musicals I don't know. Send in the Clowns, 11 o'clock number. Yeah. What's going to downer? Never Walk Alone. Great. 11 o'clock number. Memory. Yo. Memory. Yes. Street lamp dies another night is over another day is done touch me it's only easy to leave me all alone with the man 
Um, Love memory. Of course that is an 11 o'clock number. Of course. Memory. Um, ladies who lunch. Love that. I did for love, but I don't think. Mm, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Don't memory that. is, I am sending the clowns. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Um, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Good 11 one. 11 o'clock number. Good one. Um, make them hear you. Right. Yeah. From ragtime. Yeah. I would say all the wasted time from parade, that big final oh, yeah. like oh, love, love duet between between Leo and Leo and Lucille. I don't know that musical well, but that song. Oh, you're gonna know that musical well because that one is also coming up in season one, and it's one of my favorite musicals of all I time. I love that song, Brent Carver singing. Oh that my song. goodness, with Carly Carmelo. Oh, her her voice is butter. Uh, the American Dream, mm. Miss Saigon. Yeah, love that song. Yeah. Absolutely. Such a grimy, dirty song you have so much fun with. Oh, it's a cabaret. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, I know. Well, that'll be season two. That'll be season two. We'll definitely have some Kerner and Ebb in season two. Definitely. We're saving them for season two. We got we got some other fun ones. Why am I shutting my computer down? I don't so those are those are big eleven o'clocks. Yeah. Memory. Yes. How, how could I miss that? I know, right? I'm thinking the same thing. So then we head into the finale. Ta-da! And it closes the show. It resolves the main character's plot. The finale usually focuses around either the main character's death or a <laughs> wedding or a walk off into the sunset. Those are right. usually the three endings that happen yep. normally. normally. So good examples of that are you have things like Rose's Turn that we've talked about from Gypsy. Big final curtain closing moment. Yeah. Now, question to you: Do you like the fact that the musical, like you have Rose's turn, big boom at the end of the song, and then there's this epilogue where like um, Gypsy Rose Lee comes back out and give and like comforts her mom at the end of that? Because I don't like it. I I like the idea of the show ending with for me and Rose's big boom and blackout and be done versus well, having think... Louise come back out and comfort her mom and they walk off together. Yeah, that's lame. I, 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 find it, I find it kind of like... Sorry. Uh, yeah. Lame. I agree. Like if I was directing it, I would cut that moment. I would too. Cause, cause because I, I like things that end on a question mark. It's true. For me. For me. For me. Question mark. Yeah. Blackout. Exactly. Only time a blackout is allowed. Exactly. End of the show. Yes. Period. Exactly. Another good example of a finale is Being Alive from Company. Somebody push me to care. Somebody make me come through. I'll Exactly. That final moment of Bobby finally be, being ready to be open to, to love. 
And I think it's fascinating. And, and, and the way they did it in London with, with Rosalie Craig is fascinating. So when we talk about company. We I will talk, wait. We'll talk about this because it is fascinating. Are we doing it in season one? I can't remember. I don't, I, I don't want to say. I don't want to spoil it. I can't remember. I don't want to spoil it. It's devastating. <laughs> <laughs> so another example of them walking off into the sunset is the I Have a Dream, Mamma Mia, the reprise, where Sophie and Skye walk off with the moon in the background. Friends, this is where I roll my eyes <laughs> when it comes to Mamma Mia. Darn it, I was going to have that in season two. I actually, I actually have a soft spot for Mamma Mia. Do you have a soft spot for Mamma Mia or do you have a soft spot for ABBA? Because I have a soft spot for ABBA and I adore ABBA. I've adored ABBA since like Eurovision, Waterloo. But Mamma Mia, I'm like, (laughs) but money. Money. Money, money, money. That show makes money. Oh yeah, because everybody loves those songs and they'll come out. Like the fact that the fact the movie musical was turned, was made into a sequel. A prequel slash sequel. It was terrible. It was terrible, but it was fun. Uh, Meryl Streep really wasn't in it. I brought in Cher instead. You brought in Cher, which, I mean, you can't really go wrong with Cher. How can you hate Cher, even though it was terrible? I mean, like, like, the one good moment of that whole movie was was the baptism moment where ghost Meryl Streep. Ghost Meryl Streep. (laughs) Comes back. I mean, like, don't worry, it's not a spoiler. It was in the trailers that, like, Meryl Streep is not around in this one. Except in flashback. No, she dies. She dies. Off screen, too. We, we, like, Off, we didn't even get to see it. We, we didn't see how she dies. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, she's dead. Darn. We didn't get an ABBA song on her deathbed. No. Nothing. But oh, yeah, so that's another great example. And then the classic <laughs> act, the classic finale of a show is Oklahoma from Oklahoma. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. Exactly. But yeah, that song is like the epitome of a classic Broadway finale, where it's yeah. like, go out with the jazz hands. Yeah, totally. Judd's dead. Woohoo. Judd's dead. Everything's okay. <laughs> exactly. Happy Curly days. and Lori are off to, with their buggy into the sunset with the story with the fringe on the top. It's yeah. a great time. Yeah. Marriage. Yeah. People will know they're in love. Exactly. It's so a it's fair great. time. It's a great time. Great time to be alive. Exactly. And I guess there you have it. We've just done 14 types of songs you can normally find in a, in a musical. So Woo! yay us with that one. So now I think we'll have to let the audience know what to regularly expect Let's do from it. us. So the way our normal podcast rundown will work is every week we will introduce the musical to you. Mm-hmm. Autumn will then give us a brief history of the creative teams. <laughs> brief. A brief fun okay. history that highlights the, their careers and what and what they got up to. I will then give you a fun historical production history of the musical. Oh. And why was it made? What was going on historically that kind of inspired it? Mm. Mm. And then we will segue into the fun parts, which is Autumn and I will both reveal our top three favorite songs of the musical. And mm. then we'll also reveal our top three least favorite songs of the musical. And whether or not we will cut them or do something about them. So... That's right. And should this piece be revisited yes. in our current climate? Yes. As well as how you and I came to the piece. Exactly. We'll talk about all that type of fun stuff coming up in Before the Downbeat. I love it. 
Yes. So I think now, I think we'll sign off for this episode. So, yes. So thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you, everybody. I also want to thank our good friend, Mr. Brody Wells, for creating our musical uh, opening theme music. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Way to go, Brody. Thank you. Uh, uh, And so, and also in the meantime, while you wait for our next show, be sure to check us out on all social media forums. We are at uh, Facebook with Before the Downbeat, same as on Instagram and on Twitter. We're currently building a Patreon page for you. So that will be released later in a couple of episodes. So be keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. And I guess, Autumn, where can people find you if they want to connect with you on social media and hear all the fun stuff that you're up to? <laughs> well, you can friend me personally on <laughs> Facebook or yeah, Instagram. Do it. Autumn T.M. Smith. Autumn T.M. Smith. Done. Great. Uh, and you can find me at Mackenzie Horner on all social media platforms as well. Once again, just request. We'll let you in. It's a great time. We'll let you in. I post a lot of fun recipes, so you can't go wrong there. I'll check it out. Yeah. Other than that, we thank you again. We look forward to seeing you in a theater enjoying a piece of musical theater. Thanks, everybody. See you you soon. Bye. Bye.